Hello, friend. Welcome to episode 14 of Sally's Performing Arts Lab podcast. I'm your host, Sally Adams, and I've taught people how to produce original work for the stage for over 30 years. If you go to sallypal.com, you'll find my blog as well as my podcast. You'll also find Sally Pal on Acast, Blueberry, Google Play, iTunes, Overcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, my host platform, Podbean. Check out Podbean the week of November 27th when the Sally Pal podcast will be a featured show. Thanks for sharing the blog and the podcast. If you sign up for the mailing list, you'll get a free insert for your director's notebook. It's a list of people you'll need to produce your show, along with some great links to more information. Today's episode is an interview with Angie Mitchell. Angie is a teacher, a mom, and an improv comedy performer. Angie teaches and performs every week and can be heard online on Stories of the Century. An improv, old-timey sounding radio serial that takes place in the fictional Century Building. She's created dozens of characters and performed with the Spontaniacs for nearly 10 years. If you're in the Tulsa area, you can see the Spontaniacs live at the PH House at 306 Phoenix. For show dates, check out spontaniacsimprov.com. I'll include a link in my show notes. Be sure to listen until the end of the interview for concise advice from the interview and words of wisdom from George. Let's get started. Every day I gotta stop for a minute. Think about how good my life it is with you in it. Every day I wanna stop and think about you. Hi, Angie! Hi, Sally! <laughs> hey, thanks for visiting with me on Sally Pal. Glad to, glad to. Okay, let's talk about improv. All right. You do improv comedy. Yes, I do. I do it with two improv comedy troops, one which is more of a learning troupe, and the other which is semi-professional. You used to do like three or four of them. Yes, I did, but doing three of them got in the way of my home life. I was spending so much time doing my one of my favorite things that I was kind of missing out on stuff with my kids. Mm. I understand. We used to be in a group together, which was a ton of fun. You're one of the funniest women I have ever known. <laughs> well, thank you. What can you learn from doing improv? Confidence is the main well, thing I would say. If you're listening to this, thank you so much, first of all, for listening. Pat, my sister. A lot of the stuff that I talk about on the show is stuff that I do, but actually... I think of Angie as someone who's even more engaged in the world of improv comedy than I was. Angie, you have learned from doing it with so many different types of people, and you've been teaching for years. What do you know about working with different types of people, and can anybody do improv? I would say anybody can do improv. But not everybody should. <laughs> not everybody should, and not everybody will ever be able to do it on a high level. It's a skill and a talent and a gift like any other artistic endeavor, I think. Just like I could learn to paint, and I can even paint decently, but I'm never going to be Picasso or Rembrandt. But that's okay, because I can still do it to the level I can and still enjoy it. And that's what I like about improv, is you don't have to be the world's best improver, but as long as you're doing it, you're going to enjoy it. And that's one fun thing about improv, is anyone can do it. In my professional life, I'm a teacher, and at this point in my life, I've worked with infant to sixth graders. And a while back, in a summer camp, I was teaching there were some older kids in the camp who weren't doing what the littler kids were doing, and they kept doing comedy routines, which were just, oh my gosh, makes me want to pull out my hair. 
let me teach you how to do improv. And they didn't know what that was, so I explained it to them. And I said, let me teach you a game called ABC, which I don't know how many of you know this, but this is a very simple game. You start the conversation between the two players at a specific letter of the alphabet and go through the alphabet till you reach that letter again. Let's just play real quick, and we'll, we don't have to do the whole ABCs, but we could do a few letters. Okay. So give us a topic. Uh, let's talk about cheese. There you go. Cheese is good. Cheese hats. It's even better. Okay. Well, let's start with the letter A to make it easy. You can start anywhere in the alphabet, but we'll start with A. A big cheese hat is what I love to eat. Boy, you look good in a big cheese hat. Could you try my cheese hat on? I want to see what it looks like on your head. Do you really want me to try on the cheese hat? Exactly. You have the perfect body for a cheese hat. Forget it. I look horrible in cheese hats. Goodness gracious, stop being so self-deprecating. Just put on the dang cheese hat. Okay, and scene. If you've done improv before, you've probably been introduced to that game, and it's one of thousands, right? Yeah. So you introduced this kid to this game. And of course, they didn't nearly have the concept of making a scene or making the combinations work and making a real conversation. They just were excited about saying a sentence that started with each letter of the alphabet for second or third graders. I was impressed that they could figure the concept of it. They had that. There was an alphabet carpet in the classroom, and they would jump to the letter that was their next letter that they were supposed to say. It was hilarious. And they thought they were the biggest, baddest girls in the world because they could do this comedy game. And every day when they came to to my class, they'd say, can we do the comedy game again? That's great. So we did it every now and then. After a while, I was kind of done with it. Just because noses are for smelling, I'm going to lose my mind. But like, I have learned things about life from doing comedy improv, right? And as you know, I taught middle school. So I used comedy improv in middle school. Who teaches drama in middle school? Like, that's something they already come previously equipped with. Everybody in middle school has drama. One of the things that they struggle with is their developing sense of humor. And so we talked about the yes and concept. I've noticed if you approach not only comedy with yes and, but if you let yourself say yes and in life, it's a lot more fun. You might be tired that night and someone says, do you want to go to the movie? Instead of saying, no, I just want to lay at home. Say, yes, I want to go see the movie and I want to have dinner afterwards. <laughs> you shouldn't say yes to everything, of course, but when it's something you can try that's new or that puts you out of your comfort zone a little bit, or even if it's just something to keep you from laying around being a bum. But what I've noticed is where there there's an age of children where everything they do in life is yes and anyway learning and being fun because they make up stories all the time in their heads and sit there with their little toys having these elaborate scenes that go on. Sometimes it's from the TV show they just watched and now they're going to make their own story about it. Do you find you steal from your daughter when you go to improv practice? One or two that I've always stolen from. There were some famous, some children who if I was ever on SNL, I would make those two kids famous. There are some older kids who I think throw even more spectacular fits than little kids sometimes. I've embodied them on stage a few times and drawn from my encounters with those. There was two boys, fifth grade, and they were just, oh, my gosh, they could throw a better fit than my six-year-old can, and she's pretty well-developed in that area. I can't believe she's six. That just seems crazy to me. I know. I can't believe it either. Tell me about a very good experience with commitment on stage, and tell me about a not-so-great experience. We don't have to name any names. Okay. A really good one was someone else. It wasn't where I did it. It was someone else. And mm -hmm. it first time I'd ever seen this player perform, 
And I never thought they were that skilled of a player to start out with. They were a new player just beginning, and they were kind of hit and miss. But there was this scene where they needed to become an animal. I think it was a dating video or something where they got given an animal characteristic. And this guy jumps up on a chair and starts grunting and screaming and just flailing around like this gorilla. And it was the most hilarious thing I'd ever seen. And I was like, that guy has not got that much improv knowledge. He's still learning it. But dang, he can commit. And when he commits, it's hilarious. Yeah. Isn't that great? It was great. And I mean, ever since then, I've been like, you know what? Props to you, man. I enjoy improving with you because I know when I do, you're going to you're gonna take it there and you're going to go all the way. Yeah. So what about a bad experience? Well, this one happened during a Spontaniac show. No! Oh, yes! At that time, we did something called a tableau. Um, <laughs> I was putting up my face from a skit previously. And at that time, we did something called a tableau, do these weird poses. And a fellow player leaned over and licked the putting off my face. I was in a show one time, and it worked out because the other player sold it 100%, but... They were doing a game called Mannequins, and in mm -hmm. the game Mannequins, people move your body and you speak. And for some reason, this player never said a word. I mean, and the person moving her was trying really hard to do a good job. Now, the other player made up for it, and he was quite skilled, and he made the scene funny because he's like, oh, giving me the silent treatment, are you? I see how you are. Then all the work was put on that player. He had to do everything yeah and carry the whole scene and that's not fun i mean it was in the end it was funny to watch because of the work he did to make it funny mm -hmm. but it's not fun to play with someone who just stands there like alone when you're with somebody who can commit who does the yes and who gives you gifts that person actually makes it feel easy they do i mean it's already fun to do improv but when you're improving with someone who commits 100 percent, tries their best to follow all the constructs and want to be the best they can be they're much more fun to play with than someone who either doesn't try or even in the worst, in my opinion, thinks they already know everything and don't need to do that because they're better than that. Oh, and that is so hard, too, because, you know, you work with a lot of people who do a lot of improv, and it's very easy to run across people who think, well, I've done this for 10 years or 20 years or whatever, so I know everything. But you really can never know anything when you're on stage. You're vulnerable. And, and it's, always, it's always challenging to be vulnerable on stage in front of an audience. That's why I think it gives you confidence. When I was in college, I tried some improv, and I was horrible at it. There was never any, this is how you do it. But when I was taught by two very good teachers, I realized, this is what I've always told people. If you accept two things about improv, you will have more fun than you've ever had in your life. The first one is that at some point, you will be on stage and you will draw a blank and you'll just stand there going, uh, 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 uh. The mm -hmm. second thing you have to accept is at some point, you will stand there looking like a complete and utter fool. And that is the most fun. And embrace <laughs> those two ideas and know that they're going to happen and own them and you'll have fun. Uh, you know the actor's nightmare where you, in your dream, you don't know the play and you don't have... Oh, yeah, and you don't, you're not memorized. I seriously stopped having that nightmare and had this improver dream where I was on stage and started just saying stuff. Wow! Was that a better feeling dream? It was! It was a much better feeling dream. I woke up not feeling... <laughs> That's great! So it had an impact on your life. Because it started out that bad dream and then in the end I was like, wait a minute, I'll just improv this. It helps you think on your feet, and it'll also give you more confidence 
if you're doing improv. You you know that you're going to be okay no matter what happens. You're going to have something to say. Right. You have to say it in front of an audience. So you can't show the audience that you're nervous about the performance because then all the audience can think is, I'm nervous for you. Yeah. Like you can be nervous, but don't let them see you sweat. Yeah. You will have moments. I have, you and I both have had moments backstage and on stage where we're like, what do we do? I can remember going backstage with you and going, who did he say I was? <laughs> I love that though, because you don't need a set. You don't have any script. You don't even have props sometimes. And it's so fun to get out there and know that you can create worlds. You can live on the moon. The click slams just crack me up. That's where you walk in the door and you make your own door slamming noise. And there are always two doors into the scene. But of course, there are no, no doors on stage because it's improv and you're making it all up. So we all have to agree ahead of time. Okay, there's a door here. There's a door here. The funniest things you ever did was we were practicing a click slam and you became a ghost. So instead of click slamming, you just went float, 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 float. I didn't have to open the door. I was a ghost. <laughs> Somebody can kill off a character in an improv scene and that character doesn't have to disappear. You can be a zombie or a ghost. The freedom of being able to be anything, go anywhere, do anything is what I love about improv. Yes. Have you ever done anything that you thought, this is way too outrageous for an audience. Yes, but honestly, my threshold for, oh my gosh, I've gone too far, is a lot lower than a lot of other people's threshold for, oh my gosh, I've gone too far. Well, it's lower than it is for Jared. In <laughs> Everybody's is lower than Jared. <laughs> <laughs> this is a troop member of ours and a very good friend who doesn't seem to have a governor on what kind of comedy he is, uh, is and is not appropriate. I know, right? I'm different times where I was like, I can't believe that came out of my mouth. And I'm just like, I'll look at y'all and you're like, yeah, that came out of your mouth. And my favorite character, well, you do so many hilarious characters. And of course, I love Miss Jones. I'll put a link to Stories of the Century on this. But you also do that Southern Comfort Lady. Oh, Southern Comfort. You say things that are so outrageous that nobody anticipates. It takes the story in a direction that is wonderful and nobody ever anticipates. <laughs> I can think of a few steps where I've said something, and in my mind, it was something totally different than what it came out. Oh, and everybody's looking at you with their eyebrows way up to their hairline. I hesitate to say it. We never used it in Swords of the Century because we, we decided we didn't like that episode. But in it, someone was missing a cat. <laughs> and And so the cat was missing, and... I come on and said, why does this room smell like tuna? Thinking cats eat tuna all the time. I love that we improv the radio show. I love that we work so well on stage together live. I miss you guys. You know, another troupe I work with, they learned how to advertise better. So in that course, I said, okay, this advertising is working for this group. Let's try what we're doing in this group with our other group. And lo and behold, we started getting an audience. Isn't that fun? It is fun. We talked about commitment and we talked about yes and, but I haven't asked you anything about gift giving on stage. Do you remember us talking about that? Yes, that's something we've discussed at length just in our rehearsal. Well, what have you decided about that and how do you approach it? And first of all, describe what it is. Okay, gift giving is where you, it's kind of like yes and, it's where you bring something to the table that wasn't there before that gives the other player something to work with. It could be... Eric, who is a brilliant genius, is wonderful at that. He's bringing something, even if it's he's describing the room he's in, and, and there's the jar with the severed head. Well, now you have a severed head. There's something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't matter. If you say yes, that's fine. You're agreeing with whatever the person said. It's like, you seem to be wearing the wrong spacesuit today, Dolly. 
and you say yes, and you don't give anything, then that person who just gave you all that information doesn't really have anything new to deal with. I've heard the quote-unquote rule about improv that you don't ask questions, which I think is not necessarily true because you can ask a question full of gifts. I think that's the point of it. It's not that you can't ask questions, but you really need to include a gift. If you come on stage and say, who was that? You're being a jerk because now right. they have to figure out who it was and what's going on. You gave them nothing. You just said, here, I don't know what to say. You say it. So what would you say instead if you wanted to ask that question? There's a man over there. I wonder who he is. Even if it's just a gender or a piece of clothing or a, the way they stand, what they're doing but you have to give a little something because otherwise this person is stuck with what are they doing? Who is that? And you're like, I have no idea. Because then you give a gift to this scene, but you also give a gift to that other character. Yeah. Like you've given them a limp or a hair color or something. And that person you're saying, who is that, could come back in another scene and be another player. And then they'll know what to do based on what you said about who is that. Yeah, that does solve some problems, doesn't it? Yeah. What about those times when you feel like you've run out the string of the story? And you're getting close to the point where you're like, we have got to wrap this thing up because I have no idea where to go. Well, it depends. If you're doing the spontaneous intense theater, you just beat the drum and say, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> is, that, is that not a cheat? That feels like a cheat. <laughs> it feels like a cheat. But sometimes sometimes you just kind of, it's got to end here if it's going to end anywhere. But no, I think if you realize it's an end, you can start saying things that bring things to an end like, if you want to end it on a cliffhanger, you can say things like, but wait, who is that? You're at the end and you want there to be drama. Mm -hmm. It's never really good to kill somebody without their permission, but towards the end of a story, sometimes it's okay. You do end up with a lot of loose ends when you're improving. if you're doing a long form. I think you can start to tie up those loose ends and you hope everybody's along on the ride for you, but everybody brings their own ideas about what the loose ends are. It's not all that common that everybody will be going in the same direction. Yeah. You're not actually rehearsing the stories you're going to perform. You're rehearsing the form. And once we started saying, let's do a 10-minute form for a while and see what happens, we kept pushing the boundaries because we were so used to the 20-minute form that we had beats already built in. Did you all go back to the 20-minute form? It's not exactly 20 minutes. It's kind of a we go till it feels like there's an end. We were in a show one time, and we always had this joke that we were going to round all the birthdays of our players together and then figure out the average of that and call that the year we were founded. We could, except for I'd have to think and do math. But so we were we were there, and there was this woman, and she asked Eric, how long has your troop been together? And he, without a beat, goes, since 1985. Well, I was born in 76. You have always been so positive and so willing to try anything. Every, everybody in the group doesn't have to be that, <laughs> but every group needs one at least one person who does that. You're the big sister now. I keep having to have the clipboard now. George is not there. Eric keeps forcing the clipboard upon me. So It's a lot easier to talk about doing it than it is to actually do it. That was the fun. For me, that's a lot of fun is developing new games. That's one thing I love about the Spontaniacs is because we do develop new games. It sounds kind of cocky. Some of we make up our own games. A lot of times all we're doing is taking an existing game, mm -hmm. finding what works about it, tweaking mm -hmm. it, and then saying, oh, look what we just made. Well, and we adapt it for our particular brand of comedy. Yeah. And you all are still a five-member comedy troupe. I'm still sad that we never really got the handle on the Irish drinking song. Actually, we may have found a way to fix it. Miriam figured this out. We would go, there once was a man named Susan, I-dee-die-dee-die. -dee -dee -dee. 
Da, 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 I did, I did, I. Oh, so you give time to think of the rhymes. Yeah. So we I did, I did, I between everything and then finish it. And it works quite a bit better. One little tweak can take a game from being a bust to being something that works really well. Do you have any advice that you want to give to somebody who wants to do improv? Just don't be afraid because you're going to be afraid at first. Don't be afraid. Go to a class and make sure that if you get the chance, you jump right in and do it. That's the only way you're ever going to do it is if you just jump right in. I agree. Angie, you're the bomb. Thank you so much for being on my show. You're welcome. I love you. I love you too, Sally. It's now time for concise advice from the interview. A short version of tips from my guest, Angie Mitchell. Today, I have 10 bits of advice for performers who want to try comedy improvisation. Number 10. Let yourself say yes and in life. Number 9. Commit 100% to whatever you do, on stage and off. Number 8. At some point, you will draw a blank. Accept that it will happen. Number 7. You will look like a fool, and that is the most fun. Number six. No matter what happens, you're going to be okay. Number five. Give gifts of information on stage to other players. Number four. It's okay to ask a question if it comes with a gift. Number three. Practice improv by rehearsing the form. Number two, take an improv class, even if you're afraid. And the number one piece of advice from Angie Mitchell about performing comedy improv, dive in and play whenever you get the chance. That's it for concise advice from the interview. Next week, I'll be interviewing playwright and professor Michael Wright. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sally, and this is Sally Pal. The P-A-L in Pal stands for Performing Arts Lab. Be sure to check out my blog for articles and podcast episodes, and be sure to sign up to get a free production notebook insert. It's sallypal.com. You have been so supportive. Thank you for sharing, and especially, thank you for listening. I want to encourage you to pursue your dream to have your original work on stage in front of a live audience. It's scary, but I'll be here with advice, encouragement, and a growing community of people like you. If you like Sally Pal, find a button and press it! Don't ask me where it is, just do it! And if you really like it, download and share the podcast or the blog or both. A new podcast goes out every Monday evening. Now I have just one bit of wisdom from George, my husband, the coolest guy on the planet. Hey, George, what's your wisdom for today? Your small support could accomplish a big dream. That is so true, George. And a reminder if you're listening to Sally Pal. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Remember, all the performances you've seen on stage once lived only in someone's imagination. Now it's your turn. Thank you again for listening. If you're downloading and listening on your drive to work or falling asleep to my dulcet tones late at night like my sister does, let me know you're listening. I want to help you learn to produce and direct original shows. It's what I do, 
and you can too. Let's try that again, because I wanted to say the numbers, and I didn't. I lost my place. I'm so stuffed up. Uh, Are you going to be ready to go to Costco when Daddy gets home? <laughs>